Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byron filling in for the P-Man as he's away on some much-deserved, much-needed vacay. I'm joined by my main man, as always, Philip Pilkington, the ref, the Pilk. What's happening, my man? It's another day in the studio, another day to talk about some good sports. I'm excited. Oh, plenty to talk about. Right off the bat, we got a couple of eye-popping headlines here. By the way, two-hour show today, going extra long today, why not? Somebody stop me. What do you talk about, Kyrie? Kyrie kind of stirred up controversy in the NBA. Uh, a Cardinals manager, fresh out of a playoff berth, now fired, and all that and much more. But first, let's get into the whole Kyrie situation here, Pilk. Um, Kyrie, from what I understand, has announced a retirement and says he's not anti-vaccine, he's anti-mandate. Uh, this stems from the, you know, the Brooklyn Nets really trying to pressure him to get the vaccine, not allowing him to practice or play until he gets it. Uh, it's kind of that whole kind of scenario. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that, well, Philip? It, it seems like a mess. Is it the Nets or is it De Blasio? The, I think it's the mayor. Probably New York as a whole is more so the issue. But given the nature of the NBA and given the nature of this Brooklyn Nets team, it would not surprise me if they're really getting on them about, hey, get the vaccine, dude. And that, maybe that might be more so because of the mandates, but you can't convince me it's not because of some kind of political reasons also, especially when we're talking about that team in the NBA. Yeah, you know, the great thing is is if he's standing up for what he believes in, you know, they originally said he was just going to play the away games, and now he said, no, I'm going to stand up for all the people around this country that are being fired for not wanting to get the vaccine. And a lot of our healthcare workers that worked so tirelessly through this pandemic are now being forced to get the vaccine or be fired. So they're, um, they're the real heroes. So if. Well, they're protesting in New York. There's like a whole bunch of healthcare workers that are protesting that oh, stuff in New they're York. They're protesting so, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So good for him sticking up for what he believes in. Obviously, we're not going to go into our political beliefs on it. It is a sports show. Um, it stinks to see a guy have to retire like this. Hopefully, uh, things will change in at some point where he can continue his career. I know I was fortunate enough in my playing days to at least knew when it was my last game. I walked off the field and knew. So Like in your high school playing days. <laughs> yeah, my high school playing <laughs> But still, I mean, you know, no matter what level it is, you want to kind of almost know when it's your last game. It's something about that farewell moment. So uh, hopefully, like you you mentioned to me even before the show, maybe if we can go play overseas somewhere, still at a decent level and uh, not end his career just one morning when he decided to end it. Well, I think it's kind of trending towards that direction. I mean, NBA, in terms of the four major North American sports or U.S. sports, I mean, that's the most international out of all of them. That has the most international viewers. And I think it's trending more so towards that, towards that direction. You remember when Dwayne Wade, I think, fresh off his free agency from the Heat, I believe, a couple years ago before his retirement, before he went to the Bulls, and he was kind of gauging kind of his – kind of seeing what interest was out there and what kind of deals were being offered – 
I think China offered him like a five-year, like $60 million deal to go play overseas. So I think sooner rather than later, we're going to get to the point where he may be, not necessarily Kyrie-level type talents, but maybe later on down the line, we're going to see some major names, maybe start playing overseas, maybe not necessarily in their prime, but when they're still very productive. Yeah, it can definitely happen. And they're just saying Kyrie's not the first guy, so yeah. we'll, we'll, only time will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. Um, I, pretty much we can we can close the book on that one. What else needs to be said? It's Kyrie. I mean, at the end of the day, without the whole vaccine situation going on, Kyrie's a very uh, iffy kind of individual. It just kind of depends on the day, what's going on, what's the weather's like. Depends on his mood. He's very very childish, just like most of the other NBA players, and just like that Brooklyn Nets team. All the top stars on that team are very childish and crybaby. So you know, whatever. Moving on. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, is this right, Schilt? Schilt? You're the bigger baseball guy. Mike Schilt has been fired fresh off a NLDS kind of appearance here in the playoffs for the Cardinals. Um, This comes after he had a disagreement with higher-ups, and they said the move was coming after kind of some philosophical disagreements. They felt like the team wasn't heading in the right direction after just two years ago he was in the NLCS, I think with every roster he's kind of been given, he's overperformed. Uh, this comes as a little bit of a surprise for me. Well, maybe they disagree and don't think he overperformed. I mean, he does have Goldie and uh, Nolan Arenado now. But, you know, like I said, they had a solid year. Um, yep. Of course, they were not always in the playoffs. They kind of had to put a good September together. They had a 17-game winning streak, uh, you know, somewhere that down the true. stretch. That is true. It took so, a miracle. <laughs> um, and, you know, they came in and played a uh, a solid wild card game and lost late but also there was a lot of talk about how that final wild card game was managed um i think in the st louis sports me as well as the national media and I, it's obviously it's not coming down to one game but like you said if it's philosophical philosophical difference on how, where the team is going you hope that's truly what it is and it's not that uh you know one guy voted for, he voted for the uh opposite uh presidential candidate that the uh, owner voted for something stupid like that which i don't think it is but no. you know you never know this day and time who knows but at the end of the day uh, i feel like this is a team especially when it comes to management that feels like they can win now now i do kind of disagree with that i don't feel like they were world series contenders i never really felt that way even when they made it to the nlcs back in 2019 i never really felt like coming into that season they were going to be championship contenders. I always felt like this guy, Mike Schilt, kind of kind of overperformed with that team, even with such names such as Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. So, I don't know. I think it's not necessarily the right move to make. I would just say at least give him another year. I mean, geez. I, it, it's kind of rare that we see this happen, um, especially, especially nowadays. You make it to the playoffs. I mean, usually that kind of saves you another year. It, it's set in stone. You'll be around just for a maybe at least a couple more seasons, but apparently not the case with, year old, with old uh, Mike Schilt here. So. Throwback to uh, John Fox being fired as the Broncos head coach. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of parallels here. So, Moving on, we got playoff baseball tonight. I'm going to send it over to my man, Philip the Ref Pilkington over there. He's more so knowledgeable about the whole situation when it comes to the playoff baseball. Um, I, I've just kind of been out of it when it comes to baseball this year for whatever reason. It's just... I just maybe it's because my Mets suck so bad. Well, you probably enjoyed it for the first 103 games when you guys were in first place. Yeah, and then yeah. Oh my God! Don't even get me started there. Longest team to be in first place and then fall out of playoff contention, I believe, is the stat. 
I think you guys, I think it was the longest scene to be in first place and finish under 500. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Anyways, well, we'll go to those teams. Sorry, Ben, that are still in it. Um, <laughs> Dodgers, game five tonight against the Giants, man. One of the oldest rivalries in all of baseball. I you know, like both that teams game. used to be in New York. Now they're out in the West. And uh, so, kind of breaking news somewhat recently, it sounded like Julio Urias was going to start for the Dodgers, but it sounds like Corey Nebel who's a reliever, is going to start. So it sounds like they're taking like a Tampa Bay Rays opener approach. Yeah. Like he's going to open the game and throw one or two innings. And then Urias will come in, and I guess they're hoping he can carry them from, you know, the second till the seventh or eighth. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, I guess give it a shot. I don't know if you want to necessarily start trying that out in the playoffs, but whatever works, whatever you feel like gives you a slight advantage. I will say, before you kind of get into breaking it down here, this Giants team has kind of been an anomaly for me because no really big names stand out. You look at the roster and you're like, uh, this doesn't scream number one in the league or championship contenders to me. But for whatever reason, um, aside from Chris Bryant and maybe a couple other names, this has been a very who's who on this roster. And somehow they've been number one in this league. And it's been kind of an anomaly to me for someone who's on the outside looking in when it comes to baseball. Uh, what's kind of the deal with this Giants team? What's kind of been the key to their success during this season? And how did they get the number one with this roster, especially in the division they were in? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we all thought the Padres were going to be a little better. Obviously Didn't even make it. Um, obviously, the Dodgers won 105 or 106 games, and the uh, Giants won 107. So. It seems like they've just kind of got their team and they put it together. You know, sometimes you just get those teams that are not full of superstars, but they, they find a way. And, you know, their bullpen's really reliable. Their starters are good enough. And, you know, they hit the baseball pretty well. So um, it looks like they just got all the pieces, like you said, you would like for them to be, you know, a dynasty to add a, you know, a true superstar. But, hey, they're here. And uh, speaking of them, they're starting Logan Webb tonight. And, man, he has been phenomenal. He threw seven and two-thirds scoreless in game one. And just down the stretch, he's been here. He's been amazing. And they're really hoping, I think, that he can go about seven to eight innings. Ideally, you know, seven. And then you could throw your setup guy in and then your closer. But uh, their manager did say that Kevin Guzman, it's either Guzman or Guzman, I'm not really sure, uh, is available. He's fully rested, but he is normally a starter. He has 34 appearances this year. 33 of those were starts. But if Logan, you know, gets knocked early, I really think that Guzman will be the guy you come in to see throw four, five, six, how many ever innings they really need him to throw. I see. I see. Who you got tonight? Who's winning and who's taking that series? You know, you never know if it comes late and it comes down to the bullpens. You never know which team's going to get the hit late. But I think if Logan Webb pitches to his potential I do not see why the Giants will not at least hold the Dodgers to zero to one runs to the first six or so innings which sounds like a recipe for a victory obviously you know the uh, Dodgers pitching could have just as good of a night as the Giants pitching but uh I think Webb does it and uh, I think they pull it off it's about time to get the Dodgers finally out of this I was about to NLCS. say wow you know I thought I felt like the popular pick would be the Dodgers but uh Philip over here going with the Giants I like it I like it any more other ball games going on tonight or what are the other kind of series going on no nah, not in baseball we, we got a little football tonight but uh I think we got to get to that, in a, save le- that in a later later, segment but, so well there's the headlines for today I mean there's a there's a couple more but we'll get to that a little bit later on we'll dedicate dedicate segments to those particular kind of headlines. Those were just kind of the quick roundtable discussion there about kind of the quick little topics we want to get our opinions known about. Um, When we come back, 
Pirate Report. Joe Dilley spoke at AAC Basketball Media Day earlier today. A lot of interesting things that he said. We'll check that out. That and a whole lot more coming up here on the other side of this quick timeout on the Patrick Johnson Show. Every Monday during the NFL season, get the latest on the Carolina Panthers as Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network joins the P-Man. Bring on the good stuff, universe. This and every Monday right here on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station for the ECU Pirates. He's going to go in. Touchdown. The fastest two hours in radio. The fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown with Patrick. Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. The Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Game Day Countdown on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. I'm in the studio with my friend Sproul Alexander, who is the Senior Vice President for Town Insurance. And Sproul, people keep coming to Town Insurance. Tell us why. Henry, it's really simple. It's because of our insurance knowledge, our product choices, our ability to service our clients, and our community involvement. That's true. We see town insurance everywhere. But now let's talk about the choices. What kind of choices are there? What kind of insurance do you handle for people? Our choices are endless. No matter what kind of insurance that you may need, we can handle it for you. And we're talking about business, we're talking about health insurance, we're talking about home and auto, the whole gamut. Yes, sir. All right, so folks, come to town. That's town insurance. And uh, tell us the telephone number they can reach you. 252-756-8300. And the website? Towninsurance.com. Town with an E. Got to put that E on the town. Folks, now is the time to come to town. Town insurance. Is your pharmacy fumbling when it comes to customer service, prescription fills, compounding, medical equipment, and enteral intravenous therapy? Perhaps it's time for you to allow HealthWise Pharmacy to score a touchdown in regards to your pharmaceutical needs. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker, HealthWise Pharmacy puts you and your health first, offering top-of-the-line customer service, individual attention, and free prescription delivery to anywhere in Pitt County. HealthWise Pharmacy, 615B Memorial Drive in Greenville. At U.S. Cellular, we can help everyone stay connected for less. And less also means more, as in more choice. Right now, you choose any phone and we make it free. Plus, get unlimited data for $30 a month with four lines. U.S. Cellular, America's locally grown wireless. Terms apply to uscellular.com for details. Now that life is returning to normal, we've found a lot of good things that came from the pandemic. One of them is not having to go to the wireless store anymore. The Cellular Warehouse team has been in the business of delivering phones to your home and office for 20 years. People found out about our free delivery service and they love the ease of getting a new phone, tablet, or hotspot. Call Toby Williams today at 252-799-7051 so you can start experiencing the joy of never going to a wireless store again. 252-799-7051. Cellular Warehouse, your local U.S. Cellular authorized agent. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Ben Barr, Mr. Announcer, sir. You got it wrong. Ben Barr, from his place. Anyways, 
Empire Report today brought to you by HealthWise Pharmacy on Memorial Drive. Puts your health first. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker. Also by Dogwood State Bank. Exceptional progressive customer service and the latest financial products in a cost-effective way. And by Monique doing car care the right way. Coach Joe Dooley spoke at AAC Basketball Media Days earlier today. I believe that could be seen on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken. I think I so. Think okay, Phillips, give me that. I think so. Okay, we, we we're not sure either way. It happened. I'm telling you, folks. We got all the got the audio here for you. All the best kind of sound bites from that press conference and kind of the big headline coming into this AAC Basketball Media Days when it comes to ECU is just kind of the huge roster overall that's going on right now. I believe seven new kind of players coming to this roster, five returning starters, not necessarily returning starters, but five returning players, and uh, of course, Jaden Garner, who, let's face it, pretty much was the majority of the offense for the Pirates, no longer on the team, transferred Virginia, so there's a lot of questions surrounding this ECU Pirates basketball team. I believe the returning starters are Tremont Robinson-White, Luigi DeBow, Tristan Newton, J.J. Miles, and Brandon Suggs, and uh, yeah, I mean, this team completely different dynamic this year coach Dooley was asked about the roster overhaul coming into the 2021 season well I think the big thing is we were able to add guys that could play right away I mean you know our first couple of years we couldn't take uh, grad students we were able to take a grad student with advance and then with with Winston and uh, Zoe being automatically eligible uh, I think that that enables us to to develop the program quicker and develop the team quicker you know the first year if we had taken transfers they would have had to sit uh, we weren't in a position to take any grad transfers, but you know now with Vance and hopefully going forward, we'll be able to plug some guys in. I think it's going to be, you know, free agency for for all of us for the next foreseeable future. So uh, these roster changes, you know, you have to be adjust, you know, have to be adjustable and uh, make adjustments on the fly and be ready to to plug in guys every single year. And uh, you kind of mentioned it before the show here earlier today, Philip. Uh, I think this team does really benefit from the fact that they got five returning players. And each of those players each kind of fill up a different position on the roster. So you got your point guard, you got your returning shooting guard, your returning small forward, power forward, center, etc. And uh, they can kind of really show the new guys along and um, just kind of get a filling out process and kind of start from scratch. Yeah, you can. And it's nice that not only some of these guys are returners, but, you know, you have between J.J. and uh, Tremont, you know, those guys have been in the program for both of them three-plus years. Uh, J.J. is a senior even. So um, they can, you know, mentor the young guys as well because there are, there are a handful of freshmen as long as well as all these transfers, you know, just kind of teach them the way of pirate basketball and get them into the system so that those guys can also help the young guys, you know, learn the ways of college basketball. And hopefully this team can be successful and Jewel is one. Well, the AAC media kind of disagrees. They picked us last in the preseason poll, 11 out of 11. Uh, here was Coach Dooley kind of reacting to the preseason poll. I'm sure he's going to shoot it down, but let's see what he says. Uh, we both focus on improving. I mean, I, I think, you know, the guys will focus on that more because they want to prove it wrong. But, but I, I don't think if you focus on those things, I don't think that does anything. So it's focusing on getting better, focusing on our program getting better, and I think that will motivate the guys. Look, I, I think the fact, obviously, it's it's not ideal that we're picked last in a preseason poll. And at the end of the day, the only poll that matters is the postseason poll. But I think you got to think it from their perspective. Obviously, a lot of eyes on the outside looking in are not kind of paying attention to ECU basketball. About all they knew about Pirate basketball was Jaden Garner. 
Jaden Gardner was the best player in our conference, in my opinion. And uh, I don't even think it's just my opinion. I mean, I think that should be a unanimous kind of thought there. But, you know, the, the way they look at it, Jaden Gardner was a team. He transferred out to Virginia. He had a couple other starters leave, like Baruti, et cetera. And uh, they probably don't give a lot of – put a lot of hope in this basketball team. But I will tell you, there's a lot of things on this team, especially with these transfers, to be optimistic about. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I definitely not think we should be 11th in the conference. And uh, ECU golfer Nick Brown, when he found this out yesterday, was said that that was extremely disrespectful. He, I promised him I would say, give show his opinion on air. So there you go, Nick, if you're listening. But uh, if you're the team, it's all on how you respond to that. You know, it's going to tick you off regardless. But do you get ticked off and then, you know, kind of go sulk about it? Or do you use that as the extra gel and motivation? You know, it's all about harnessing your your anger and using it to achieve a team goal and and being successful. So hopefully they use this as such. Hopefully, you know, and Coach Houston likes to talk about all the time with the football team, don't listen to the outside noise. But sometimes when you're doubted, it's almost fun to kind of put up those articles in the locker room and be like, here, this is what people are saying about you. Now yeah. go prove them wrong. Yeah, prove them wrong. And uh, I think there is something to be optimistic about when it comes to this team, uh, particularly the new kind of transfer from Boston College, Winston Tabbs. He was a 20-point per game kind of player at Boston and uh, averaged almost 40% from the three-point line, which has notoriously been an issue with this Pirate basketball team. So I expect major improvement from there. He's kind of expected to be the guy that fills the void that Jaden Gardner left behind. Yes, they don't play the same position, but he's kind of expected to be the number one dude. And I think he's, he's played in a conference like the ACC. He knows what it takes to beat good teams or what it takes or what the good, what the good teams – kind of implement what good teams, how they play and whatnot, and I think you kind of take that experience, bring it to Pirate Basketball, and be a competent leader for this team. Oh, for sure, um, being a leader because, you know, you know he's been at a big-time program. I mean, I know they're not, you know, contenders every year, but things seem to be going pretty well over at Boston College well, that, uh, over the, the last few years. And like you said, that's the big one. With him scoring 20 a game, I mean, he's scoring 20 a game and half the games he's playing are Duke, Carolina, and Virginia. Yeah. Now half the games he's playing are going to be South Florida and Temple. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's a perfect point. And I think this other guy, Vance Jackson, who's also a transfer from Arkansas, I believe, is another guy people are high on, but – He's never really kind of proven that he can be that double-digit scorer night in and night out. He's been a little inconsistent. I know he's had some injury issues. I think this is a good chance for him to kind of prove or put the league on not, – not necessarily the league, but the conference on notice that, yeah, he is big time. Maybe he's a guy that's, in terms of his playing ability, maybe is a little bit better than the American. Probably belongs to be in a, a better conference. But, you know, it's all about what you make of it. Just take those expectations and kind of use it as fuel. Use it to motivate you. Well, everybody in the American does have film on him because he started his career at UConn. So they've already – he's another one like this team where they have written him in to be not as good of a player as he wants to be. So I think he more so than maybe anybody has got a lot to prove. You know, he was, like I said, was unsuccessful in the American, left. Yep. Went to was it either New Mexico or New Mexico State, New Mexico and he was at Arkansas. State, and he, I thought he, you know, he didn't see as many minutes at Arkansas as he had the other places. But you could definitely tell that his game got a lot better. I think that was very good for him. Yep. Maybe there wasn't much pressure on him, so I think he's ready for the task, and uh, hopefully he can uh, get to the full potential that we thought when he got recruited by UConn. And much like Winston Tapps, he played in a great basketball environment when it comes to Arkansas. I believe they were in the top 25 this year, made the NCAA tournament. So The Elite Eight. Yeah, so he comes from a good little kind of basketball squad there. I mean, he knows what it takes to win, and I think that kind of valuable experience is needed when it comes to this team. And 
I'd, I'd let's just don't rule this team out. I mean, I will even go as far to say this team has the potential and the ceiling to be better than previous teams we've seen under Joe Dooley. Oh, I definitely think they do. Yeah, they can they can improve on that. I think there's no reason they, you know, they don't finish. You know, mi- middle of the conference. You know, fifth, sixth, for sure. Seventh. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be better than a team like South Florida, Temple. I mean, come on now, for sure. Tulane. I mean, yeah, I I think that whole notion is a little bit ridiculous. Anyways, Joe Dilley was asked about the previously mentioned Winston Tabs average twenty points at Boston College. About 40% shooting from three. Here's Joe Dooley's thoughts on the uh, grad transfer. Well, he's been working his way back into practice. He's, he's not at full, uh, full practice duration yet. Uh, has about an hour and 15 to an hour and a half uh, limit to right, right now. So he is working his way back in. Hopefully by next week we'll even increase that a little bit more. Uh, I think with him he's got to get his timing back. He was out uh, uh, recovering. So that'll take him a little time to get back to speed. But when you look historically what he's done, his numbers are real. Uh, played at a high level in the ACC. Uh, he was a proven scorer. Uh, I think he's got adds another dynamic to our offense, and uh, he's played at a high level. So I think he's familiar with what he's he's going up against in the AAC. Noted. That's I mean that's pretty much everything we've kind of talked about there. I did not know about the injury. That is a little bit of a cause for concern, especially because I'm I'm kind of assuming he's going to have a heavy workload early on in the season for this Pirate basketball team as kind of the others kind of settle in. But at the end of the day. He's a proven scorer, like he said. He could shoot from the three, and that should be, be a huge step up when it comes to this pirate offense. Well, maybe him coming off an injury, he won't be conditioned enough to actually play a lot of minutes early in the season, and maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe so. Because yeah. maybe once he then gets whittled in more and more, and by you know he's full go by conference play, some guys will have already stepped up without him playing, you know, thirty plus minutes, and then he'll just be another addition to it already team that's vibing pretty well that, that's a good point at, at the very few rare times where we saw Jaden Gardner maybe necessarily he's not showing up or he's having an off night we really needed another guy to step up and every once in a while you would get a guy like Tremont or a guy like Brandon Suggs who would but it was very rare and I think that is kind of important when it comes to this team is just who else is going to be there who's going to step up who's going to rise to action who's going to answer the call and kind of step up when a guy like Winston Tabs is kind of recovering from injury here, expected to be your number one guy, and you know who's going to prove that? Hey, I mean, I deserve a spot on this roster in the starting lineup. That's the big thing here. And uh, wrapping it up here, Joe Dooley talked about it's kind of easier to implement a new offense or a new scheme with uh, new players coming in. He can start from scratch. I think being able to have guys out there in groups of five and having guys being able to. Uh, have a feel with each other, play pickup during the offseason, uh, play five-on-five five more, even in the offseason, probably help these guys get a feel for who each other were and, and what they're capable of doing. So I think it makes it a lot easier to implement offense because they, they have a feel for each other. Yeah, practice was definitely kind of whack last year for these guys, obviously, with the um, whole COVID thing. So They had a lot of COVID issues, too. They did, um, and and there was some of it was just rules too, even more so than uh, you know guys just having it. You know how many guys are allowed to be there, so that's big. Like you said, that these guys can hang out outside of practice. They can play pickup basketball. Um, they can run five on five at practice. And kind of like we said, yeah, we only got five guys returning, but yeah, maybe our out of our five, it's a little more guard heavy than you know big hill heavy but you can still when you're doing kind of your install type to a lot of stuff there's a way to work it out where we kind of have a one two three four and five out of returning players 
and those guys can show the young guys and the new guys how it's done because they've been in the system for a year. Whereas last year, you weren't only implementing all this stuff, but you're implementing it to a bunch of guys who had never been here. We had so many new players last year. I mean, good point there, Philip. I also want to mention here in today's part, before we kind of close up and wrap it up, uh, ECU Pirates alum just played played under the Mike Houston era. Um, Bengals rookie Deontay Smith plays that tackle uh, set to start for the Bengals this weekend with Jackson Carmen likely out. That's good to see. Hey, and I think that's big for the football program when your athletes that are on the team right now, they can see, hey, or when you have recruits come in, and hey, he's got guys that are going to the NFL level and they're starting. That's big. That can give me a chance to maybe go to the league one day. So I think this is big for the Pirate football program. This is big for Deontay Smith. Congratulations to him. Yep, happy for him. Perfect. Hey, that's going to do it for today's Pirate Report. When we come back... Plenty to talk about, but first, Thursday night football tonight, and we're not just talking about the NFL. Have a little bit of American Conference action tonight, Navy Memphis, all that and much more. Our predictions, we'll look at the spread coming your way next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it! <laughs> or tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Dogwood State Bank is changing the landscape of community banking. That term community banking is not just a catchy slogan for Dogwood State Bank. They're really defining what it means to bank local. Big banks may want big business, but Dogwood State Bank wants your business, no matter what size. At Dogwood State Bank, your business is big business. Come to Dogwood State Bank and you'll see the difference. Dogwood State Bank with offices in Greenville, Moorhead City, Wilmington, Raleigh, Sanford, and Charlotte. To say that college life has changed is an understatement. And now Greenville has the top luxurious student living complex in the country. It's the Jolly Roger at the corner of Cotanch and 14th Street. From the rooftop pool to the first class fitness center, there's even a stadium viewing deck where you can watch your pirates. The Jolly Roger offers one to four bedroom pet friendly apartments with cutting edge detail finishes in each unit and private study spaces on each floor. Come see it at 1307 Cotan Street or learn more at live at jollyroger.com. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by Crystal. The Seahorse Grill Master, guaranteed to be tender and juicy. The Saturday Night Prime Rib is an experience you'll never forget. It's the most flavorful, tender piece of beef you'll ever eat. Delicious is an understatement. You're sure to leave full and satisfied. But if you have room to spare, a generous slice of one of their homemade cakes will take care of that. So the next time you want a really good steak in a relaxed family atmosphere, remember the home of Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. The Seahorse Steakhouse, Stantonsburg Road, Greenville. WorldCat, the world's largest powered catamaran boat builder, is hiring at their Tarboro and Greenville locations. If you enjoy a challenging career opportunity, producing a top quality product, then a career with WorldCat may be for you. No experience is required. However, anyone with carpentry skills or auto body detailing skills are highly encouraged to apply. 
Send your resume to careers at worldcat.com. That's careers at worldcat.com or go to worldcat.com forward slash careers. The better skills, better jobs, job fears. Coming to the Greenville Convention Center Tuesday, October 26th from 2 to 7. It features 80-plus top employers and education and apprenticeship resources from PCC, ECU, and Pitt County Schools. Register to attend and get more information at pittcc.edu. Search better skills in the search box. Find your next career Tuesday, October 26th at the Greenville Convention Center. Presented by Pitt Community College, the John M. Belk Endowment, Pitt County Economic Development, and Greenville ENC Alliance. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Show. Ben Barnes filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Ref Pilkington standing by my side over here, my right-hand man. Got a little Thursday night football tonight. Eagles taking on the defending Super Bowl champs, the Buccaneers. First place in the NFC South, by the way. Come on, Panthers, step it up. Also got Navy Memphis, which I think is more of the interesting game. But first, let's get into the NFL here. Uh, obviously, Bucks eagles listed as out for tonight for the Buccaneers. Kind of some big names here. Gronk has already been listed as out. Uh, another one is Antonio Winfield and Levante David, all listed as out for the Buccaneers. As for the Eagles, the only notable major name listed as out is tackle Lane Johnson, obviously a former pro bowler. He was on that Super Bowl championship squad of Nick Foles. So obviously this is gonna be this could be this game might be closer than a lot of people anticipate. But I still expect the Bucks to win at least by two scores. The Bucks are Super Bowl contenders this year. The Bucks should win the NFC this year. Not a lot of competition in the NFC when it comes to the Bucks, and uh, this is the kind of wins you got to get, especially by two scores, to really prove yourself as the contenders. Yeah, well, I'll disagree with you on the competition in the NFC. I think the Rams and Cardinals have got them there, but uh, Rams, I'm with you. Cardinals, I think you think they're fakers. I, I'm not, I'm not they're five and zero. Oh, they're fakers. Not sold on the Cardinals. Still not sold on them. Well, you know, the Bucks. you know, most of the guys you mentioned that were out are on defense. And this defense is letting up 24.4 points a game. Now, however, they were letting up more than that, actually a little over 30 points a game three weeks into the season. Luckily, each of the last two weeks they've only let up 17 points. But uh, one was in kind of a junky weather game to New England and then a uh, – the last week against a Dolphins team whose offense seems to kind of be struggling without Tua, so you never know. Well, they struggle with Tua as well, yeah, that's so true. it they doesn't do. matter. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Eagles, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, you never know what Jalen Hurts you're going to get, so that's part of it. Um, they have some weapons. It's it's definitely not the Eagles team of a few years ago, but like I said, this Bucks defense, when healthy, they're not 100% trustable and – the bottom line is they're far from healthy tonight, and they've had a lot of guys, a lot of injuries on the back end, which has definitely hurt them. And the back ends look better the first couple or these last couple weeks, but you never know. I mean, I still think the Bucks are going to win, and I think if they do win by two scores, though, it'll be a late, you know, kind of one of those late touchdowns to put them away kind of thing. I don't think they're going to come out there and, and look like world beaters from no, the first snap. And I was going to get to that. The only way I think they do win by two scores is, like you mentioned, late in the ball game. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the fact of how close this game is going to be and how long it's going to be close. So, And you also got to, like, people are not bringing this up. 
you know, a lot of people on the outside looking in or who are not really paying attention might think, well, the Eagles' offensive line has been bad for the past few years since the Super Bowl team. They're ranked sixth by pro football focus here in the league when it comes to their offensive line. It's just a matter of Jalen Hurts making the right plays and getting it to his guys like Devontae Smith. That's a guy you got to get to the ball, get the ball in his hands early because he is a game changer. He's looking like one of the best rookie wide receivers this year, barring maybe a few exceptions. Yeah, he definitely is. And they can score, but they might have to score to keep up with this Bucks offense, especially because – yeah, the uh, Bucks did only let up 18 points last week to the Panthers, but the Panthers' offense. Eagles. Eagles looked, or sorry, yeah, yeah, the Eagles let up only 14 or 18 points against the Panthers, who looked pretty bad on the offensive side of the football. But the previous two weeks before that, they let up 42 to the Chiefs and 41 to the Cowboys. Now, I know those are two high powered offenses, but uh, this Bucks defense can let up some points. But like you said, Devontae Smith and those guys, they can score some points, especially if you get a good Jalen Hurst. We talked about there's injuries on the back end with a guy like Antonio Winfield, who I think maybe, aside from maybe like a Carlton Davis or any other name I'm missing, is probably the best player in that secondary. I think that's a hole they can exploit. There's a lot of talented young receivers on this Eagles offense. It's just a matter of what kind of Eagles you're going to get. Eagles have been a really hard team to kind of gauge this year. We talked about it on On the Prowl, which is released every Thursday on the 94 Through the Game Facebook page with me and Phillip, the ref Pilkington, who's right here, and our man Casey Rainier for an intern for IBX Media. And uh, we, we were kind of mentioning when it came to our preview for that Panthers-Eagles game, it's hard to get a gauge on this Eagles team. You never know what offense you're going to get from them. You never know what defense you're going to get from them. It's just really hard. I mean, you look at every position on that Eagles, the Eagles team, none of them are consistent. Nobody on that team is very consistent, maybe except for Devontae Smith. Yeah, him and then maybe the tight end room. I yeah. do like Dallas Goddard, and I know Ertz isn't what he has been in the past. But, but he's a really good number two guy. He is a really good number two. And when they've gone to him this year, he's actually kind of stepped up. He's having a better year this year than he did a year ago. And I don't know if he is statistically, but I've seen them play a few times, and he seems to be making more of an impact this year. I know there's a couple weeks where he had a couple weeks in a row with a touchdown as well as uh, he's blocking better and just all sorts of things. But like you said, everywhere else you go, and you never know with the Eagles running backs. They always seem to have four of them that see legit playing time throughout a season. But seems like Gainwell's been getting the majority of playing time does, this year. Yeah. But you never know how they're going to play, and that kind of has been a consistent thing with the Eagles really since Brian Westbrook. Yeah, no, I'm, I completely agree with you on that. By the way, Brian Westbrook, heavily underrated. That was a staple of the 2000s for me. He was, in man. The, he, he, I really liked games. him. I, I enjoyed watching that Eagles team back in the day with T.O. And, and McNabb and Westbrook. Yeah, it was a high-powered offense. I'll give you that much. <laughs> Moving on to the spread here. Tampa Bay is favored by a touchdown. How do you feel about that, Phillip? I got actually the Eagles to cover that. You just said you were picking the Bucks to win by two scores. I changed my mind. No, I definitely got the Bucks uh, winning by two scores. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good spread because bottom line is I think the uh, you know, this could be a four-point game. A nope, changing game. my mind. Eagles are covering. <laughs> Because I said so. No, I, I definitely got Tampa Bay covering. And um, Tampa Bay definitely kind of holding up that end of the bargain there by two scores. Even without Gronk, you still got tight ends like O.J. Howard and uh, Cameron Brait. Plenty of weapons on that offense. Antonio Brown is looking like a top-level receiver once again. You know, you could talk about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin all you want. I think Antonio Brown's having the better year and being the difference maker in that offense. Also, Leonard Fournette's really starting to come into his own and emerge as kind of the number one back in that crowded running back room. And you always know what you're going to get with Tom Brady. So, 
Yeah, I, I think that high-powered offense is going to be too much for a very inconsistent Eagles defense. The only chance I get for the Eagles to cover is if that defensive line comes up and really shows out, and you're really going to have to rely on Javon Hargrave because he seems to be the only guy kind of making the difference on that defensive line this year. Yeah, well, that is the key. Have the defensive line get pressure on Brady because the minute you send a blitz, he's going to pick you apart, and uh, when you don't get to him, well, it's even going to be worse. Easier said than done. I think we both agree, though, the Bucks, uh they're they're gonna at least win by a touchdown. I mean, it's they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hold they're gonna cover the spread for sure. I, I'm not gonna agree that they're gonna cover the spread for sure. I, I think they win this game. If I had to bet money line, I'm definitely going Bucks. I'm not saying I'm picking the Eagles to cover either, but uh, I could definitely see be one of those where the Bucks get a late stop and they're up four and they you know they are able to run the timeout. Kind I of got thing. the Bucks by at least ten. Uh, at least ten. It could definitely be a Bucks by four, but uh, I, I do think the Bucks cover. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bucks by eleven. I'm gonna say Bucks uh, twenty-eight seventeen, but we'll see. There we go. Hey, stamp it, write it down. I'm gonna hold you accountable tomorrow. Don't hold me accountable. No, you can hold me accountable tomorrow. Moving on to this uh, American Athletic Conference matchup tonight: Memphis taking on Navy. Very interesting matchup. Memphis coming into this game is three and three. Navy is somewhere around there. I believe they're also three and three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they're also three. No, they're one and four. Never mind. That was a major, major exaggeration there on Navy. But Navy has been competitive here as late. Um, I think you mentioned it before the show to me in our kind of pre-show meeting. Navy doesn't stay down for long, and it's definitely looking that way. They've played some competitive ball games against some really good teams. That one win is against a even without Dylan Gabriel, a really good UCF football team. So I think this game could be a whole lot more competitive than people think. And Memphis has kind of been on the downslope here recently. Their wins have been over Nichols State, Arkansas State, Mississippi State. That's a legit win. That's the SEC-level program. And then outside of that, they lost to Texas San Antonio, who is a good team and undefeated. Then they lost to Temple, and they lost to Tulsa. So this team's definitely on the downtick here. That's the thing. So they've lost the last three to three teams, uh, two teams at least they probably should have beat. Yep. And I get Navy's only got one win, but they beat UCF. Yep. And then they lost to SMU by a touchdown. Yeah. And there are somehow 11-point dogs? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I if got, you are making I a trip Navy to, to Cherokee, yeah. you got to hammer the midshipman, right? I, I mean, definitely got Navy to cover the spread, though. I know Navy looked bad week one. I mean, Marshall embarrassed them week one. Yep. But – Navy also got embarrassed last year, week one, and ended up having a solid season. And ended I really up being against think... a really good BYU team. So, yeah, yeah. It, that, and it was also that their governor was not allowing them to practice tackling, so yeah. that might have had a little bit to do with it last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Coach Ken Niamatololo got them turned around, and I think they showed with that win against UCF that they've turned this season around as well. Like I said, I know they lost last week, but they lost, I believe it was at SMU. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But it was 30-24, uh, you 30-23, something along those lines. And I think they've played a lot better offensively, especially. They're holding on to the football. It's something they didn't do the first couple of weeks, and um, they're doing it now. And as a result, the defense has been able to get some rest. Defense looks better, and I – I don't know if they win this game tonight, but they, I think they definitely cover minus or plus 11. Well, I'll tell you this much. I think the key to the game for kind of Navy winning 
is the fact that with the way that offense is set up with the triple option, they can dominate the time of possession, especially considering that Memphis is on a down year when it comes to time of possession, holding the football on offense, sustaining long drives. They rank 11 in the conference and 126 in the nation. There's only 130 teams in FBS football. That's pretty bad. So I definitely think this game, first of all, Navy's definitely going to cover the spread. I, I would have that as a lock. Obviously, don't – hey, this this is for entertainment purposes only. Don't be spending your money and nothing like that. It's illegal, sir. Illegal. But I definitely think that's that's a stat that can't be underestimated, especially with the way Navy's offense is set up. It's not like a it's not like a West Coast offense or anything, or they're throwing the football around the field or anything. And they could score quickly. Triple option is set up to sustain long drives, and I think they could really capitalize on a weakness that Memphis has right now, especially when they're on a losing streak. I think they definitely could as well. You know, another thing that Navy does good well is they don't commit a lot of penalties. And uh, Memphis, they've they're averaging fifty one penalty yards a game this year, which isn't terrible, but it's it's not good either. Not they've good, had yeah. thirty five penalties for three hundred nine yards this year. So, um, I think Memphis sometimes when they get a drive going or something, they'll find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Navy, you don't see that as much. So. Yeah, I know. As I'm sitting here talking about this, I feel like I'm almost I'm almost thinking Navy here for the with the. I don't know. I got so Navy, man. I got I, my pick is Navy, and of course, yeah. If I'm picking them to win, they're going to cover the spread. I think that's kind of the sleeper game of the week as well. This could be a really good ball game. I think I might actually watch this ball game over the uh, Buccaneers Eagles game. Well, that's what you own a laptop for. You got a TV to throw one on. You got a laptop for the other one. I don't even have to watch the Buccaneers Eagles game, Philip. I know what's going to happen. I told you, Bucks are winning by two touchdowns. No, they're winning by at least 10 points. All right. At least 10 points. We'll see. This is going to be a sleeper game. I'm telling you, Philip. I'm telling you. So, I know this is previewing what we're going into tonight, but you're saying you don't have to watch those games. I guess you do have two screens to watch tonight because. uh, well, as we'll talk about in the second hour, your Canes do have their uh, first game of the season. Canes do have their first game of the season. We'll get into it. Um, we'll talk about if whether they're still cup contenders or not. But anyways, we got to get ready to wrap up the first hour. We're way over our break here, their hard break here. So let's get ready to go to break. It's going to do it here for the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byram here and Phil the Ref Pilkington. When we come back, a preview of what's to come in hour two. Hurricanes, Washington football team maybe a little baseball, and much more. It's all coming your way after this quick timeout. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. The new Ace Hardware is open in Greenville at the corner of Charles Boulevard and Fire Tower Road. So get ready, Greenville, for great customer service. The new Ace Hardware features great grills from Traeger, Weber, Big Green Egg, and more. Plus, name brand tools like Husqvarna, Milwaukee, DeWalt, Craftsman, and the new Ego line. The new Ace also has a full line of Benjamin Moore paints. Get ready, Greenville. The new Ace Hardware store is open. Come see them at the corner of Charles and Fire Tower in the old Rite Aid location. 
Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances. Exceptions may apply. Remember the days when you could go to your favorite butcher shop and get your pork chops or steaks cut just the way you like them? Well, you still can. Acre Station Meat Farm on Highway 32 in Pinetown, north of Washington, is Eastern Carolina's traditional butcher shop. Acre Station's where you can get your order cut the way you want it. The best sausage, bacon, and pork chops and steaks you'll ever taste. I get my steaks from Acre Station because, uh... The quality is great, and they can cut it any size you like, and just can't find a selection like that anywhere else. I like to go get my roast at Acre Station because they cut it at about six pounds, and that's perfect for my for my family. Because I just can't find what I'm looking for at the grocery store anymore. Acre Station, your traditional butcher shop in Pinetown, just outside Washington on Highway 32. Find out what others have always known. The short trip to Acre Station is worth the drive. At Acre Station, you just get that good, friendly service you just can't find anymore. I guarantee it's the best sausage and bacon you'll ever eat. Hi, this is Matt Murchison from Greenville Nissan. It's a fact. Purchase a new Nissan from Greenville Nissan and pay nothing down and no interest on 14 Nissan models, like the 2021 Nissan Rogue or Nissan Armada. Here's another fact. We have inventory while other dealerships don't. Shop GreenvilleNissan.com to see all our inventory and to check out the new, redesigned 2022 Nissan Frontier and Pathfinder. But hurry in. These offers in our inventory won't last forever. Greenville Nissan, where you can always expect miracles. Pirate football lives on game days right here. Here we go. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. Getting it started. Uh, we've already gotten it started, Ben, but we will be getting hour two started here in about ten minutes. Yeah, I'm just getting excited, man. I'm just I'm just keeping the good vibes coming, all right? I like it. It hasn't been a good show so far. A few things still to preview in hour two. We um one of the things we'll talk about is Sean Taylor. Number twenty one will be tired retired up in Washington this week in their game against Kansas City. We were already planning on getting into a little bit of uh, Washington football talk, as we do know that we never talk about them much on this show. And this, however, was Redskin country. I know there's plenty of Skins fans or Washington football team fans. Still in the area, we're going to talk a little uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Season opens tonight. They open their 2021-2022 slate. This is a team who's been to the playoffs the last few years and contended, made it the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2019 all the changes on their roster, because there have been some, and there's also been some big names returning for them. Uh, we're going to have a little reaction to a list Colin Cowherd put out about the uh, top ten young quarterbacks. I believe it's guys drafted in 2018. Since 2019, or I believe. 2019. Yep. But um, last night, USA had a huge World Cup qualifying match, and they had had a bad loss to Panama the other day. And if they, they dropped this one to Costa Rica, they were going to be behind the eight ball. And uh, if anybody pays attention to soccer at all. We missed the last World Cup, which is kind of embarrassing. And the U.S. was recently ranked 
in the top 10 in the world international teams, which is a little surprising. They won the Gold Cup, though. I don't know how much that... That's all all North American teams. I don't know. Maybe they got excited because we won the Gold Cup. But uh, And those same teams that we played against in that Gold Cup are the teams that they are um, competing against here in the World Cup qualifiers. Now in the Gold Cup, you don't have the same uh, rosters. Usually, you know, caliber have, of players, yeah. But uh, they let up a goal last night in the first minute to Costa Rica, and it just looked like it was gonna be another one of those heartbreaking losses. And flashbacks to like Trinidad and Tobago fears back, it was back in 2017 or whatever. And uh, they came through though, got a big win two to one. They're now second on the table out of eight teams, top three automatically make it to the World Cup, the fourth will have to go into a play in game. But right now they're three points behind top team Mexico, who they actually play in their next game. I believe it's the second weekend in November. They're a point clear of Canada, three points clear of Panama, and Costa Rica's in fifth. That's the big one you want to be clear of because if you're fifth or worse, you're out, and they're five points clear of that. But they still got eight games to go in this, so a long way, but still you don't want to win lose games you should win because it puts behind the eight ball, and they almost did that last right. night. Key to that game first, you got to come out, smack them in the mouth. Smack them in the mouth right away. Put the ball in the net. There you go. Key to the game when it comes to soccer. Ben's uh, soccer analysis there. Not that I could give anything much better because I don't really know anything about soccer. I was just trying to give a shout-out to our national team, even though if you're not a huge soccer fan, you got to respect when the World Cup comes around. It's the greatest international sporting event there is. Definitely up there with the Olympics and Wimbledon. So, um it was huge, and hopefully our boys can make it. Luckily, the next World Cup, though, they won't have to worry about qualifying because we're hosting it, and the host country <laughs> automatically gets in. So, well, I understand. From my understanding, baby. they had to get three points last night. They pretty much had it. it it's not like they needed to advance because yeah. you know there's eight games left. Yeah, but, I was uh, just trying to understand what that deal was. Everyone kept saying that, hey, they need to get three points or whatever. Well, or in soccer, you get three points for a win, one point for a tie. It's like it's like in hockey, getting two points for okay, a win, right. one I point for an overtime loss. I was thinking about it like hockey, where they were talking about points, like goals, assists, or like, I was no, confused. No, no, they was, were saying points on the in the standings. I, yeah, as I, was in confu- like, I thought they were talking goals. I was really confused last no. night. I had no idea what was going on. We were hanging out with some people last night that actually know soccer and yeah. could probably give you a lot better analysis than we do. But hey, I uh, just nod my head and carry on Yep, talking soccer. Anyways, today in headlines you never expected to see, J.R. Smith was attacked by bees in his first collegiate golf tournament for NCA&T. So do with that information what you will. It stinks, man. Guy tries to change his career. Get a respect him, man. Now he's officially a two-sport athlete and he changes to an outdoor sport and uh, – Maybe it was a bad idea. Maybe he should have changed to hockey or some other indoor sport. Look, I'll if, if J.R. Smith was serious about bettering himself, he would lay off the henny and he would put a shirt on. But he doesn't ever do that. I'm sure he's in college golf is wearing a shirt, so at least he got one of those two things down. Yeah, but we don't know what's in that water bottle. You'd be uh, some henny in that bottle. There probably is. Yeah. he's. I mean, he's of age. He's not like these other college kids out there. Yeah, exactly. J.R. Smith. Shame on him. And to kind of wrap it up with some, I don't want to say wacky headlines, but headlines you might have not known about or it kind of flew under the radar. Leangelo Ball signed a non-guaranteed contract with the Hornets. He would play in their developmental system with the Greensboro Swarm. Leangelo Ball, of course, the middle brother of Lonzo and LaMelo. Of course, this is non-guaranteed. And uh, kind of what this contract tells me right here is this is a huge publicity stunt. Oh, yeah, I mean... And the G League everywhere is bad attendance, but you know you gotta yeah. 
the the, the swarm is really bad, and even more so the most G League teams. So What's it's this? that. And honestly, if they want people to watch, what they need to do, it's kind of nice that Lavar hasn't been running his mouth. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, hey, we got two thirds of the ball boys. We need we need Lavar to start talking about some North Carolina sports here. There we go. There we go. And I will say this. LiAngelo Ball at least looked good in Summer League. And, yes, I know it's Summer League, but it was a huge step up when it comes to LiAngelo Ball. He was notoriously bad coming into that draft, whatever year he was draft eligible. I mean, this was a guy who couldn't make an open shot. Um, it's kind of has, has pretty good size on him, can't play like a big man, can't rebound, couldn't shoot, just looked overall wonky. He did not – he definitely didn't carry over those – whatever those genes were that his brothers have, Lonzo and LaMelo. So. Hey, he did have one good skill, though. He was good at stealing things. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Where's my rim shot? You know what? You don't deserve a rim shot for that. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. There, there we, we go. go. Awesome. All right, I just really wanted to hear the rim shot. Anyways, hour two underway or getting ready to be underway. As previously mentioned, we'll preview the games immediately after – this quick timeout, as well as the Washington football team, maybe we'll ponder what we would prefer for them to rename the team to. Obviously, Sean Taylor kind of bizarrely announced to be entered into the Ring of Honor three, four days before they have a game, a home game against the Chiefs. Uh, Colin Kurt, Kyle Hurd, of course, had a list he put out yesterday or the day before where he ranked the top 10 quarterbacks drafted since 2019. We'll react to that, all that and much more in hour two of the Patrick Johnson Show. Another season of Rose Rampants football is back on your home for Greenville Sports and the ECU Pirates. Let's go! Win on three, one, two, three. 94.3 The Game. J.H. Rose Football is brought to you by the law firm of Hardy, Massey, and Blanche, Sam Pollard and Son, Heating and Air, First Bank, Caraway Office Solutions, Stadium Sports, and Doctors Bowman, Padgett, and Associates Dentistry. The Rampants play here on the home for Rose Rampants football. 94.3 The Game. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Is that the sound of an ooey-gooey, cheesy, crunchy slice of (laughs) P-I-Z-Z-A? Obviously. But as good as that sounds, we think it can get even better. 
Oh, yeah, that's the sound of a freshly opened fizz-filled Pepsi. The only thing that can take this flavor medley of crunchy dough, mouth-watering cheese, and savory sauce to the next level. How about another bite? Pepsi and pizza sound like a match made in heaven and taste even better. Pizza, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Hi, I'm Brad Keselowski, driver number two, discount tire Ford Mustang. If there's one thing I've learned after years on the track, it's that having the right amount of pressure in your tires can make or break performance. Properly inflated tires are essential to the health of your car and to keep you driving safely. Check your tire pressure once a month, especially before road trips, or stop by your neighborhood tire retailer for help. A message from the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association. WRHD HD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Greenville's home for sports Also got the Washington football team tonight. Well, not tonight. But we got a Washington football team to talk about. Sean Taylor being inducted into the Ring of Honor, rightfully so. But they only announced this on about three, four days' notice, which is a little odd. We'll get to that a little bit later on. And uh, Colin Cowherd had a little bit of an interesting segment we'll react to. All that and much, much more. But first, let's get into this Carolina Hurricanes team here. Uh, obviously, they have their opener tonight. That's coming your way at 7 o'clock against the Islanders in PNC Arena. And uh, where do we start with this team? A lot of new additions, also a lot of subtractions, a lot of staples. No longer. And uh, I think a good point to kind of start with this team is the defense and the defensemen because there's a lot of new moving pieces there. And obviously, what we do know about hockey and what comes to hockey is is that you have to have chemistry on the defense, and with all these new additions, I expect them to have a little bit of a slow start, especially defensively. Just there's too many new pieces, and they got to get acclimated and kind of get those dif- defensive pairings together. I mean, hockey's a sport on the defense where you just got to rely on chemistry. You got to kind of have that flow going. Uh, we saw it with Slavin and Dougie Hamilton, one of the best defensive pairings in the league, and that's because they played with each other for about. T- Three or four years, they got acclimated with each other. They benefited each other. They complemented each other well. And uh, it's just a matter of adjustment period when it comes to this defense right now. Yeah, is there a single pairing here when I look at the pairings list that that has played together before? I don't think there is. I don't think there is. It's looking like Slavin is going to be pairing with Tony D'Angelo, who was the guy that's going to replace the uh, coveted Dougie, Dougie Hamilton, who many people agree is one of the best defensemen in the league, at least one of the best scoring defenseman in the league at the very least and definitely a difference maker and the X factor when it comes to this Hurricanes team despite not a very good playoff performance Dougie is still a big guy to lose he is but the great thing about Tony D'Angelo is that he can also be like a 40 point guy so I think he can bring in that offensive firepower that Dougie brought Um, the only problem with him is uh, there's some character issues we saw it a year ago in New York but if you're going to have a coach that's going to fix somebody's character issues 
Rob Brendamore is your guy to have, and uh, I definitely think that they, they he they he can get all that squared away. And this team and some of the leaders on this team, uh, just a more you know tight knit group, might as well help that as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, nobody wants to be the guy that stands up to Rod Brendamore. He's the bod. He'll, I mean, he'll smack you in the mouth. I mean, right away. But, I mean, I just the defense concerns me, and in turn, that's going to give the goalies a lot of problems, especially uh, when you consider no really any returning goalies. Peter Morazic is gone. Uh, obviously, Alex Nedeljkovic is gone. Uh, and James Reimer no longer on the roster. So these are a completely different group of goalies. They signed Frederick Anderson from the Maple Leafs, who had a down year last year. Many people blame the defense. And they signed Antti Ranta, who at times over his career has shown that he could be a very good goalie, but uh, he's had some injury issues. He's never, only two times in his career, in his, what is it, eight-year career? Yep, eight-year career, only two times he's played over 30 games. So there's definitely an issue there. And after the one year he did play over 30 games, or one of these years he did play 30 games, after that, um, the closest that he's been is 25. And then after that, it's kind of a huge drop-off. We're talking 12, 14. So he's definitely had some injury issues, and that's not good when we're talking goalies because I don't think we wanted to resort to that dude Lions. Names Lions in the, with the Chicago Wolves, so that's not going to be good when you're talking about cup contenders. No, but uh, you know if Anderson can be healthy or you know play a lot of games, you know he can have a solid year. I think. Yeah, he's been down each of the last two years, especially a year ago. But in both the 2016-17 and the 2017-18 season, he had 66 starts each of those years and a 9.18 save percentage. So. And that was with Toronto, who was decent at the time, but was not phenomenal. I thought they, you know, decent. They had, they did have decent defensemen at the time. Their offensive firepower wasn't great. Was part of the reason they weren't winning a lot. But uh, now it's the opposite. Yeah, now it is, and yeah, especially with this team too. uh, Coming to this uh, Hurricanes team, where like we said, you know, lost Flurry, lost Dougie, lost a couple other guys on the defensive side, and bringing in some new guys who I think will vibe together, but the bottom line is this Canes team can win some games 5-4, to four, but they could lose some games 6-5 to five because I definitely think they're going to be able to score. Um, but the question is defense, especially like you said early in the season, getting these pairings played together, getting the communication with the goalie to guys that he's never played with before, um, and guys on the ice who have never played together before also communicating with one another as well as with the goalie. Yeah, I mean, at times, Frederick Anderson, during his tenure in the league, has shown during his eight-year kind of career in the league, he's kind of shown that uh, he could be one of those top-level goalies. It's just a matter of what you put in front of him. That's why I kind of expect this team to have a slow start. I don't deny the offensive firepower on this team, a lot of returning players, only a couple on kind of the offensive lines or the offensive kind of uh, fronts there that are no longer with us. I don't mean they died or anything. They just went to other teams. But, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of what you put in front of Frederick Anderson, and that's why I expect this team to have kind of a slow start. Um, it's This is kind of going to be an adjustment period for them early on in the season, especially when you play a really good Islanders team who made it pretty deep into the playoffs last year and re- and kind of their main focal points and pieces from that team have returned. They're back. So I expect kind of a slow adjustment period for them as they kind of gel on the defensive side of things and as their goalies kind of get acclimated. Yeah, I think so. And I was actually going to pull up here the uh, the beginning of the schedule. I don't know exactly how hard it is. I do know there's they got to play Boston next week. Boston's been a solid team over the last few years. I actually. can tell you right now, they play the Islanders, 
They played a Predators who they did play in the playoffs. They played a Canadians who are in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Blue Jackets, not necessarily a great team, but they're always one of those teams that are on the cusp of the playoffs year to year. Maple Leafs obviously made a run in the playoffs. Well, actually, I think they were out of like the first or second round, typical Maple Leafs fashion. But there's a lot of offensive firepower on the team. And, of course, as you mentioned, the Bruins, which the Hurricanes have always kind of struggled with, a very physical team. Yes, sir. And that's kind of, Shut up, Philip. <laughs> and it's just a matter of that's another big thing when it comes to this defense is we got to see this defense be aggressive. The Hurricanes have kind of been known when it comes to their defensive pairings. Not a lot of guys that are very aggressive. They can't match teams like Boston or the Capitals who have a lot of physicality when it comes to their lineups, and they just kind of get dominated in that aspect. And that's especially important to have physicality when it comes into the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of what separates the men's, men from the boys. That separates the dynasties from kind of the cup pretenders instead of the cup contenders. Yeah, I mean when you're uh, when your most physical guy is probably your starting center in Sebastian Ajo, which and it's great that he's as physical he is, but he, he can't be the you know the biggest one on the uh, on the ice when it comes to hitting guys. But we saw it, um, and I think it was the second time when they played Boston in the playoffs so 2020, where there was a big hit late in a game, and it was an elimination game for Carolina. And I think the game was actually I think the Canes were winning at the time. And somebody just got rocked by Charlie McAvoy, and they didn't respond. They just kind of rolled over and uh, let Boston continue to hit them. Boston ends up coming back, winning that game, winning the series. So um, that's something they got to do. And hopefully, with these new additions, I definitely think they've got some scrappy guys here that can do that. Um, as much as it's you know stunk to lose some of the guys like uh, Hayden Flurry and a few of those other guys, um, you know, like I said, they might have been good. Uh, you know, good skaters, good defensemen, had good chemistry with their goalie and with the, their their partner, but uh, they weren't the most physical. And I think some of these young guys they've got coming in can definitely uh, swing that because that's, like you said, kind of been the story when they get knocked out of the playoffs every year is, is lack of physicality. No doubt about it. I mean, just kind of really no will, no will to fight and be aggressive. I mean, we saw it in the Bruins series. We saw it in that Capitals series where we won in Game 7, but at that point the damage had been done. We were pretty kind of, we 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 were pretty worn. The good news was we played not. A, I I didn't think we didn't play a great Islanders team after that. We were able to sweep them, but you could definitely tell kind of the fatigue set in from that aggressive kind of series when we played the Bruins the following kind of series. So it's just a matter of how you respond to physicality and how you how you respond to aggressive teams. Can you match that physicality? Can you match that aggressiveness when you get to the playoffs? And maybe these younger guys are a little bit more hungry. A lot of these guys have kind of been cast-offs, cast-aside, rejects, uh, failed experiments elsewhere, guys that have a lot of potential and a high ceiling but have never really quite worked out, and maybe they can get something done under a really good head coach and Rod Brendamore. Yeah, so you know you were talking referencing the 2019 playoffs when there was there was some physicality issues there against Boston, maybe not quite as much as there was in 2020. Um, but the biggest thing that stuck out in that series, and it stuck out, it seems like every time the Canes get knocked out of playoff series, we saw it tremendously against Tampa this past year, is the lack of production on the power play and the lack of production on the penalty kill. Their special teams has got to be better. Um, you know, I don't know if you know these additions are going to change. Right now, the first power play unit looks like it's uh, Svechnikov, Aho, Trocheck, Teravainen, and D'Angelo. Sounds like a heck of a first power play unit. The second one is Nito Niederreiter, uh, Jordan Stahl, Natchez, uh Is it Priest or Priestie? 
And uh, what's the new guy's name? The, the name I cannot say that you can so well, the guy they got from the Habs. Jaspiri Cotton Kanemi. <laughs> Jaspiri Cotton Kanemi from the uh, Canadians, which they did a great job picking him up. That was an awesome, unrestricted free agent. Looks like he's going to be the starting left winger. So uh, really excited about him. But So these power play units on paper look really good, but they've got to go out there and produce. And uh, it's kind of been the story, along with the lack of physicality, is the lack of uh, – Production on the power play and production on the penalty kill. You know when the everything's going good for the Canes, it's and it's it's going good. You know five on five hockey and all that. But uh, the minute you like I said the game gets a little physical, it it, it changes. So we'll yeah. see if they can change it this year. I think this team's going to have to rely heavy, especially early on, and just outscoring your opponents. Just relying on that offensive firepower because I don't think the defense is going to click right away and necessarily get it done. And you got the guys to do it. Like you mentioned, just Barry Kanemi. I mean, that was a big pickup. That was a guy we did not expect to just have the Habs to just let walk. So, I mean, that's a big one. And uh, Sebastian Ajo, also a proven commodity. Tavo Teravine and another guy, Jacob, Jordan Stahl. Excuse me, not Jacob Stahl, Jace. Vincent Trocek. Andre Shmeshnikov. I mean, a lot of firepower when it comes to these first couple of lines. Nino Niederreiter, another guy. I mean, you're talking Jordan Martinuk is going to be on the fourth line. So, obviously a lot of offensive firepower there, and I think that's going to kind of be the key to the Hurricanes' success early on is the fact they're just going to have to match a lot of their opponents' offensive firepower and outscore their opponents despite of their defense. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That's what they have to rely on. And you also hit the nail on the head when you said that's what they can do. Yeah. Because when you got a guy like Jordan Martinook and Derek Steffen on the uh, on the fourth line, those guys, you know, yeah, they're not going to go out there and, you know, they're not 50-point guys or anything those crazy like that. But they're, they're still, the they're still guys you love yeah. to have on the fourth line. I mean, exactly. Martinook, you could be a second liner on a lot of teams, especially yeah. when it comes to his scoring ability. So. Uh, I feel good about the offense. Like I said, the biggest thing is, if you're a Canes fan, do not get discouraged if the defense looks bad early. Obviously, if the offense looks bad early, you might want to panic. But as long as you see progression with this defense, with this goaltending week in, week out, um, I think this team will have a solid year. I think probably second or third in the Met. Met's obviously a fairly tough division. Probably not. It's probably tougher in and through than the Atlantic. Atlantic's maybe a little more top-heavy with teams like Boston and uh, Tampa. I agree. But um, I think it's a team that still can make a run. You know, as we know in hockey, seeding doesn't really matter. Eights have beaten ones back in the day when they had an 8-1, you know, deal. A little bit further than Montreal this past year. Montreal was not a team we expected to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they made it. No, and look at the Kings the first time they won them. They were the eighth seed, and they had to sweep each of their first two series and ended up winning the Cup. So, And that reminded everybody in L.A. they had a hockey team. And I would say the same for the goalies. Don't be discouraged if they struggle early. I mean, we kind of see it in preseason. They're struggling. And I, it, like I've said time and time again, you're tired of it at this point. It's an adjustment period. A lot of new pieces. This is a new, I want to say new era of the Hurricanes, but it's almost kind of like a reset. Well, you're trying something different. It's the perfect song you got to play us out of this segment, and hopefully they can rock Casey's Islanders like a hurricane tonight, baby. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Now, I'll leave you on this. Are the Hurricanes still cup contenders, or are they just merely a playoff team? I think they can contend. I really do. Do you think so? I honestly they believe can, they took a step down. Um, they can get that special teams figured out and score on some power plays. PK can step it up a little bit. They can do it. Anybody can make a run in the playoffs in this league. And so I'm not counting all 16 teams that make the playoffs in as contenders, but I really think they can be. They have great leadership. They've got young guys who won't be tired at the end of the year. I mean, some of these guys are so, so young, along with the veteran leadership of guys like Jordan Stahl and Jacob Slavin. Feel good. Fair enough. On the other side of this quick timeout, 
Washington football team. A lot going on there. Of course, Adam Schefter had a whole deal going on there. We're not going to get into that. It's been done to death, and I think at this point, nobody cares. But, legendary Redskin. He wasn't a Washington football team member. I'm not going to acknowledge him as a Washington football team member. But Sean Taylor, legendary Redskin, inducted into the Washington football team ring of honor uh, this Sunday against the Chiefs. That was just announced earlier today. That's a little strange. We'll get into that. Plus, we'll take a deep dive into this Washington football team as a whole. They preview the Chiefs game a little bit. And what are what do we prefer for them to rename the team to? Got a lot of interesting ideas over here. I think you'll love them. All that and much more here. On the other side of this quick timeout on the Patrick Johnson Show. The Jolly Roger has set sail. He breaks a tackle. He's in the 10 to the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Pirates. Pirates football. At the 18-yard line. And the Pirates Locked. come after his block. Is back. Picked up by the Pirates. And it's a touchdown for ECU. Tune in for all the hard-hitting action all season long on your home for East Carolina football. The flagship for the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the North Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters and this station. Fastest two hours in radio. Fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. With Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Pirate Game Day Countdown. On 94.3 The Game and 94.3 The Game.com. 10-5. Touchdown Pirates. Hulk Taylors takes it in. Pirate fans, single game tickets are on sale now for as low as $20 for three great games to come. East Carolina will take on the Bulls of South Florida, the Temple Owls for Hall of Fame weekend, and then Thanksgiving weekend, it's nationally ranked Cincinnati. For tickets, go to ecupirates.com. You can paint this with purple. For a casual and relaxing dining experience, look no further than Main and Mill Oyster Bar and Tavern in downtown Winterville. Locally owned and operated by David and Kelly Munoz, Main and Mill Oyster Bar and Tavern offers a wide variety of appetizers, soups, salads, and entrees with specialty mixed drinks and a great selection of craft beers. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 4 until 10, or call 227-4399. Main and Mill Oyster Bar and Tavern in downtown Winterville. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell, proud fourth-generation winemaker at Dupin Winery and proud new graduate of East Carolina. So many great things are happening right now at the winery. We're celebrating our 45th anniversary this year, and I'm officially Duplin's newest full-time employee. For four years now, I've been asking you to buy our delicious wines from your favorite store, and I hope you'll continue to do so. I think this makes me the official voice of Dupin Winery, so if you see my boss, who is also my dad, tell him I deserve a raise. Thank you for your support, and go Pirates. 
Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. Well, the drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barm filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Ref Pilkington joining me. Washington football team got a lot of got a lot of stuff on their hands right right about now. We're not going to get onto the whole Shefty Allen deal there. At, at this point, who cares really? I mean, is is it that big of a deal? I don't think so either, Philip. I don't know. I, I just really, who cares? Yep. But the one thing we will lead with, as we previously mentioned, Sean Taylor, number twenty-one, will be retired. At their game this weekend against Kansas City Chiefs, fans not exactly thrilled because this news just broke this week. Normally, they will kind of announce it in the offseason. Yeah. And crazy enough, they're doing it against the Chiefs. Uh, this is the second team to honor a player in three weeks against the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is enough of a ticket seller anyways. Do it when you're playing somebody crappy that nobody wants to come watch. Yeah, maybe like the Giants or something like that. But, I mean, I it, that you nailed it right on the head right here. This is not a game you have to sell tickets for. I mean, the Chiefs coming to town, I get it. It's kind of been a down year for them so far this season. They are not looking too good, especially Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, still, they're still the Chiefs. Mahomes is going to get this figured out. I mean, that's a, that should be a natural ticket seller, and uh, it, it, it really comes off as very scummy by the Washington football team that they would – it seems like – because it's coming off that they're using this man's likeness for – basically for, for gain, for profit is what it seems like. You talking about Sean Taylor? Yeah. I don't know about I mean, that. what else could it be? Why, why such short notice? Yeah, I don't know. That part is weird. Don't know why they're you doing that. You can see, I'm, I'm, not necess- I'm not necessarily saying that's what they're doing, but it comes off that way. I can see how it could get misconstrued that way. It could come off in kind of bad taste. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. However, though, it is very good to see Sean Taylor getting into this. Uh, Absolutely. It should have been sooner rather than later. Yeah, Sean Taylor did not have a lengthy career with the uh, Washington Redskins. He was... Brought in, he was the fifth overall pick in 2004. Unfortunately, during the 2007 season, I believe it was in November, um, someone broke into his house. Uh, I th- they believed the. I think it ended up being proven that it was just an attempt of a break-in. It was no attempted murder, but it ended up happening. He was unfortunately he lost his life that night, but um, he was phenomenal in the years that he did play there. The three and a half years uh, he was an All-Pro in 2006. Or sorry, in 2007. In 2007, um, he was two-time Pro Bowler, and we believe that this was probably he was going to be one of those players that he would have been in the Ring of Honor, anyways. By the way, he was playing potentially in the Hall of Fame. Potentially a Hall of Famer. You know, this is not just a uh, man. We had this player die when he played for us, so we're gonna. I mean, not that you shouldn't honor a guy, but we're gonna, you know, give him this whole big put him in the Ring of Honor thing. No, this is much deserved. Um, for the for the man that we heard he was, he was a great teammate, um, as well as his stats on the field. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. I think my favorite Sean Taylor moment is why I said he's a little crazy. If you remember that Pro Bowl one year where he absolutely nailed the punter? Just yeah, 2006. Just tackled the punter in the Pro Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody informed Sean Taylor he's playing in the Pro Bowl to take it easy. But, no, he full-on 
full on just nailed the punter. Could have potentially injured the punter. It was that big of a hit. Yeah, I think uh, Sean Taylor, when he was t- 10 years old, probably like nailed the four-year-olds that hard <laughs> in the yard because yeah. Sean Taylor never tackled anyone lightly. It was You knew that you got hit by Sean Taylor when you got tackled by Sean Taylor. It wasn't a question of, of which 11 of the Washington then Redskin defenders had just, had just brought you to the ground. And at the time during that era, I mean, the safety that kind of got all the credit for that as a hard hitter and being one of the hardest hitters was Brian Dawkins, but I think you also kind of need to throw Sean Taylor in that conversation. He oh. deserves a little bit of respect on his name when it comes to that aspect of the game. Yeah, you definitely do. But uh, moving on, because there is a lot to talk about with this team especially. Um, so once again, congratulations to him, and we're so happy for his family that he's going to have this honor and uh hopefully they got they got t- airplane tickets for him hopefully they got a flight for him and hopefully it doesn't get canceled i'm sure they got the flight it's a matter of whether or not it's going to get canceled hopefully yeah. they're not flying southwest yeah a lot of issues with the airlines right now but just hopefully they had prior notice and it just wasn't released right now because this is a quick turnaround yeah jeez I mean, come on now We'll move it on, and we'll do. We will do a little analysis of this team because, like I said, there's still plenty of uh, Washington football team fans here in the Greenville area. Just because a lot of the uh, people grew up in the time when there was no Carolina Panthers, and you picked the Cowboys or you picked the Redskins, and uh, a lot of half people chose Redskins. So yeah. a lot of people stayed to their team. And Ben, we know a little bit about Taylor Heineke being a uh, fans of the Carolina Panthers, and. He's not been bad, that's for sure. I mean, he, he's looking better than a solid backup, but I don't, is he the future for this team? What are your thoughts? You know, I don't think so. I think the major trait and what's kind of keeping Taylor Heineke alive right now is that he's not necessarily bad enough to be warranted, like to warrant kind of benching. I mean, he plays just good enough. He's, good, he's a guy that's good enough to win. You can win around him. And I think the big kind of trait that appeals – that kind of the appeal to Taylor Heineke is that his teammates want to win for him. He's a guy that you could really rally around. We saw it with Chase Young last year in the playoffs against the Bucks. I mean, that was a guy that was like, the, I mean, this guy's this. He's that dude. I love this guy, Taylor Heineke. You could see the mic'd up where just Chase Young just loved Taylor Heineke and what he brought to the game and just his enthusiasm and his will to win. Maybe the talent's not necessarily there. I mean, obviously, he's not a world beater or anything. But I think teammates can appreciate the fact that this guy wants to win. He'll do whatever it takes, even if the ability isn't necessarily there. And I think that's the major appeal when it comes to Heineke. I think it definitely is. And, you know, like you said, he's he's the guy that they want to play for, which is great. You want to win for him. You want to win for him. But the thing is, is a guy like him, you're going to have to build the perfect team around. And the bottom line is, since Coach Gibbs left – it's, I mean, yeah. since I guess the last time they won a Super Bowl would have been 93, I believe it was, 92. Um, yeah. No, 91, actually. It was 91. Yeah, I was about to say 91, 91, because the Cowboys won it back-to-back, I guess, the Bills. So, 91, um, it seems like there's been a lot of questions from Jason Campbell to, I can't remember who else, to RG3 and – now it's kind of been. You know, I think Kirk Cousins. Uh, Donovan McNabb had a stint there for he a little did. bit. <laughs> a forgettable stint. So here's the but the one thing they've always had good is is that front seven, and the linebackers maybe aren't what they used to be in the London Fletcher days. But man, when you look at this D line, you got guys like Chase Young, Montez Sweet, Jonathan Allen. I mean, this is a team that's definitely got a good defensive front. They're not bad on the back end. Landon Collins, Kendall Fuller. And they've got good weapons. I mean, Scary Terry, um, 
Obviously, unfortunately, right now, Logan Thomas, their, tight, their number one tight end is hurt. Curtis Samuel, we know as Panther fans, battles injuries, but when he is healthy, he's good. He's Adam a difference Hump- maker, game changer. Yeah, Adam Humphreys is a solid player. So, But you kind of brought it up for the show, this offensive line, that's where they struggle. Yeah. And seems like they haven't had a great running back since Clinton Portis. There's so many questions with this team. Yeah, I mean, looking in, look at no other than uh, Antonio Gibson. He's having a pretty solid year this year. He kind of looks like maybe the running back of the future, but he's uh, been inconsistent beforehand, so I think they need to see him put together a couple of more impressive games before they're committed to him, but I wouldn't hang my hat on it. I mean, we've known they've gone through many of uh, running back experiments. Going back to just a couple years ago, they tried Darius Geis. Of course, he got in trouble. He's blackballed from the league now. Uh, you remember Samaje Piran, who's now on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals? I know he had a stint there for a little bit. So they've tried different guys, and it hasn't necessarily worked out. I know Peterson um, had a forgettable stint there, but he actually had a good year when he did play. Most people already forgot about it. He did play for the Redskins, but he actually had a pretty good year when he did play. And he's been look, he's looked like the best running back since Clinton Portis, now that you mentioned it. And that's that tells you all you need to know right there. As for this offensive line, obviously it's not the same since uh, Trent Williams has left, but they still have an all-pro guard in Brendan Scherf, who is hurt. So, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, offensive line has some issues, but they do have some talent. It's just a matter of them staying ha- healthy and staying on the field, even when even a couple years ago when their offensive line was consistently pretty good, they just didn't necessarily have the quarterback or the weapons in the offense and the defense wasn't necessarily where it needed to be. I mean, that offensive line was clicking. i never seen anything like it where a team that bad had their offensive line figured out and couldn't get anything going on offense. It's just like it pains me to see as a Panthers fan. You got the offensive line figured out, but you can't figure anything, out on the offen- anything else out on the offense. So frustrating. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you wonder, it, there's been so much issues over the last two, better part of three decades, really. Yeah. And they played at Carolina two years ago, and you know, the minute they're running out, the fans are, you know, chanting to sell the team. Is it? Is this thing bigger than coaching staff and players? Because Ron Rivera's he proved that he's a winner. However, the one kind of knock that would be on Rivera's he got pretty much handed the number one overall pick, and that quarterback happened to work out in Cam Newton. But once Cam wasn't working out anymore, you know, things didn't continue to go well. But they've got a great defensive coordinator in Jack Del Rio. Scott Turner is young, but obviously the son of Norv Turner did wonderful things in San Diego. And I like the stint in Carolina, to be quite honest with you. And I did as well. So they've got what we think is the staff. Obviously, like like I said, it would – be great to see Rivera kind of build a team up, but that obviously kind of starts at the front office. But I wonder how much with this team it really starts yeah. with the top. And really kind of the major storyline this year is just how bad that Redskins defense has been. Despite the names that are on that defense, a lot of good players on that defense, number one in the league last year, or at least top five if I'm not mistaken. And now, I mean, they're like bottom tier. Just completely fell off a cliff. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the secondary and the fact that they relied so heavily on Chase Young on kind of that defensive line, and he's not having a great year. He's just not getting pressure on the quarterback. When you go back to that secondary, you have a lot of guys, like you just mentioned, who are inconsistent. Landon Collins, I always kind of thought of him as more as a box guy, in my personal opinion, and uh, that doesn't necessarily translate to good coverage skills. And then you look at guys like 
You know, Kendall Fure, Fuller, excuse me, that's another guy who's very inconsistent. Cam Curl hasn't quite had quite the season you expected from him considering an awesome rookie campaign. So it's just the defense is kind of the main story when it comes to this team and Taylor Heineke. And there's a lot of questions on both sides. It's a mess this year. This this might be a team that would finish maybe last in the NFC East after a playoff stint, but you have the Eagles. So, I mean, you just don't know. It's so many unknowns in that NFC East. Well, you got the Giants, too. So, I mean, they, could, they, could, easily, bad, they so could easily finish second. It's it's, gonna, I think it's the Cowboys' division to lose. It's a battle for last like place. Beer, so. Yeah, it is. So, it kind of warrants the question we were talking about, kind of the Washington football team and our pre-show meeting. Uh, obviously, another big story surrounding this team is what are they going to name the team? They're still in the process of coming up with a team name. And we've kind of brainstormed some ideas. And I'm going to let Philip start here. What would you prefer Washington to kind of name the team? Well, my always preference, and uh, it's, a, it's a quick story. I'll make it quick, is um, it still be part of the Native American name. And the reason why is because my grandfather grew up a Redskins fan. And the reason why he did is because he was a kid and he always played Cowboys and Indians. Yep. He was always on the Indians team. Well, the first game he ever watched was Cowboys-Redskins. So that's how he chose the team. And... My grandfather was a big uh, influence in my life. He's the one that actually bought us the Panthers season tickets, so he did convert to the uh, Panthers. But I had an uncle that didn't convert to the Panthers. Still was a huge Redskins fan up until he passed away. So I do have that family connection to that. So that would be cool. But they already announced that wasn't going to happen. So I thought they could have found a more of an honorable name that was not using a derogatory way but whatever yeah they've rolled out any kind of native american yeah. links to so, their new team name half the time i would refer to them as just the skins anyways so kind of had a I've weird done a few times that segment yeah so i said uh kind of might be kind of a dopey name but why not just call them the washington pigskins and then they can just change the 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 song to hell to the pigskins oh, i love that i love that and the idea. maroon is kind of the same color as the football anyways just call them the pigskins and uh Let's just we can keep calling them the skins. I love that idea, dude. That look that appeals, I think, to the old school fans. I don't know about the new school fans of how they would take the name, but I do think there's a, it's a neat little callback there, and I like it, and it's a good way to make a wrong into a right. The one thing they've got to get rid of is the Washington football team. The biggest reason because when they abbreviate it on Twitter, WTF. Yeah, I keep thinking it is something else, and it's like that just grammatically doesn't make sense. I read it like three times, like oh, that means Washington football team. Not what the you know what. So yeah. <laughs> it, that that part's annoying, and they, they got to quit. At least when they start tweeting it out, they just need to start tweeting out football team. I think they think it's funny. They know what they're doing. I saw on Twitter um, earlier in the week that the Washington football team had signed Corn Elder, and I had read it as WTF. They signed Corn Elder because I was just skimming through, and I was like, Yeah, what the heck? They signed Corn Elder. So, <laughs> but then it's like, Who signed Corn Elder? It didn't tell yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I will kind of miss the whole WFT kind of thing and kind of confusing it with WTF. But if I had a choice on what I would name the Washington uh, football team here, what I would rename them to, hear me out here. Washington Wild Hogs. Oh, the here's Wild what, Hogs. Here's, first of all, the branding opportunities there. You can name the bathroom the trough. Or you can name the concession stand the trough. Depends on what kind of trough we're talking about here. Or you can name the concession stand the slop house. Or you can name the stadium the slaughterhouse. You know, you can do all kinds of things with that. It'll be a lot of fun. And then you think back to back in the late 80s, early 90s, actually during that whole 80s tenure when they were winning Super Bowls and in the 90s when they were winning Super Bowls, 
The Hogs were the nickname they gave to the offensive line at the time, and the fans kind of embraced it. They dressed up like pigs and everything. So I think it's a great callback to kind of the old-school Redskins, the team that was winning, and it also can appeal to the new fans unless they think the Wild Hogs name is just a terrible name. I don't know, man. I, I like the whole slop house. I like the slaughterhouse. Yeah. You, I mean, obviously, you got to keep FedEx in there, so because yeah. they're paying the they're paying that those bills. So uh, just call it the FedEx slaughterhouse instead of FedEx Field. I love it. I love it. And uh, here was my idea. Here was another great marketing or brand opportunity. Here, this this ties right into the team name, the new team name, here, the Wild Hogs. If Ben was picking it here, so on third down, you know how you have the players come on the uh, scoreboard. And they're all like, hey, let's get hype, you know, third down, start yelling and everything. Ah, you know, all that stuff. You've seen it. You go to Panthers games. Happens all the time. You know, let's get hype. Let's go. Let's protect this house, I think is what the Panthers do. Protect this house. You know what the Wild Hogs are going to do? They're going to have a player come on. They're like, all right, it's third down. Let's go. Let me hear your pig call. Let me hear your pig squeal. Sue-wee! And everybody starts going, sue-wee! That could be their third down thing right there. You know, it all ties in. I'm just glad you didn't start snorting on air. I was really (laughs) thought, yeah, I thought that's what we were going to be hearing. No, no, you can do that, too. I like that as well. It all ties in. It all fits into the brand. I think this could be a lot of fun. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun until I heard the suey. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be great. I'm telling you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fans can embrace it. It could be a nice little family thing. The kids can get into it. The old folks can get into it. You know, your grandmother might go and say, oh, that's sweet. That's nice. That's cute. I like that. And, then, you know, I, I think it's something people can truly embrace. My favorite point that you made there, though, was talking about their old offensive line. And, you know, you want to keep some of this tradition because this – is known as a tradition-based franchise. You got to so get the old school fans you back. Get the old school fans. You got to find a way. So, I think we solved it right then and there. We should be management here with this Washington football team, especially when maybe that might be up in air coming here soon. But we're yeah. not going to get into that. What 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 might be up in the air soon is that we're going to be in management. Are are we going to be the new GMs and the new owners of the Washington football team? Is that what you're telling All right, the people? This is why. Okay, I wasn't completely honest with you, Philip. This is why we're having the Washington football team kind of segment here. I have to make a special announcement. We are officially the new owners and managers of the Washington football team. Actually, formerly known as the Washington football team, now known as the Wild Hogs. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. Guess I got to uh, tear down my Panther stuff, start pulling for another team then. We're we're, We're fully in on the Washington Wild Hogs here. All right, go Wild Hogs, baby. Let's go. Is our, I guess we're going to watch the movie Wild Hogs before every game? Well, that's going to be the pre-game, pre-game hype video. They just play the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> a whole movie about motorcycles for you, two it's, hours. It's going to be a great atmosphere. We can solve the attendance issue at FedEx Field. That definitely needs to happen. Somebody in marketing is right. hired over there. Hour two underway for the Patrick Johnson Show. When we come back on the other side of this quick timeout, Colin Cowherd kind of had a – I guess you could say a controversial list, a list a lot of people disagreed with. The top 10 quarterbacks drafted since 2019. Our reactions to that list next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. 
We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration, as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. Dr. Philip Goldstein and Dr. Danielle Hofat, the specialists at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, want to keep you healthy. These two doctors provide personal consultations and offer treatment and quality care for all your GI needs. Just call the office at 252-758-8181. Appointments are always available within five business days. Hi, this is Dr. Philip Goldstein reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Visit our website, cddgastro.com, and come see us at Carolina digestive diseases. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newbern is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. It's the season for warmer clothes, hot apple cider, and changing leaves. But what doesn't change and what won't change is our commitment to your complete satisfaction each and every time you visit our dealership. Phelps Chevrolet in Greenville. Complete customer satisfaction isn't just a seasonal thing, it's delivered every day. That's why we are the place to find your next truck or SUV. Come in and get you one. Phelps Chevrolet. Visit today or see us on the web. Sara Lee Frozen Bakery in Tarboro is hiring. If you're looking for a career change, there's never been a better time to join the Sara Lee Frozen Bakery family. Benefits start day one, and they offer sign-on and monthly perfect attendance bonuses. Starting salary for skilled labor positions between $16 to $20 an hour. Join a winning team. Send your resume to Tarboro Recruitment at SaraLeeFB.com. That's Tarboro Recruitment at SaraLeeFB.com. Sara Lee Frozen Bakery is an equal opportunity employer. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Didn't change it up there with a little country music. I like it. We're back here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Philip Pilkington here with B-Baby Ben Byram. And we will be breaking down a list that Colin Cowherd, who you can hear right here every day on 94.3 The Game, made a couple days ago. It is the top ten rookie quarterbacks drafted since 2019. Now, first note to make on this list. Not rookie quarterbacks, but any quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks, sorry, drafted since 2019. First note to make on this list is that he said he's leaving Trey Lance off, not because he doesn't have him in the top ten, but because he believes what we have seen so far is too small of a sample size. Obviously, Trey Lance, I believe, only has two start, one start 
in the NFL. He played half of another game when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. So he has these guys listed one to ten. He also has them in four, or sorry, in three different tiers. He has them in will work, should work, and real issues. We will start ten to one. So these first three guys. He all has listed as having real issues. The first guy is Miami Dolphins quarterback and Alabama alum Tua Tungavailoa. I completely agree with that one. Tua is a guy I never really quite understood coming out of the draft. Since he's been with Miami, he just hasn't really been able to get anything going, and I get it. He doesn't necessarily have the talent around him, but I, still, I, I just I, I haven't really seen the arm. I haven't really seen. The that the accuracy or anything like that the tan the tangibles and the intangibles don't really stand out to me. He's just a guy. He just really seems like a guy so far in his career. Maybe it's too early to tell, but I've just not been impressed with Tua. He's not really been a difference maker for that team. I think you can easily throw Ryan Fitzpatrick back out there, and that team won't be any better. If so, maybe one or two games better. Yeah, I I also wasn't high on my kind of. I was almost. Not really high on them benching Jalen when they did. I mean, obviously during that game, the national yeah. championship game, understood. But I always thought Jalen was better, and uh, he is another guy on this list. We'll get to him in a second. But I'm with you. Uh, Tua definitely deserves a job, whether it's a starting job. Uh, we yeah. can debate that all day. But so. he's just kind of just another guy. It seems like so far. Yeah. Not necessarily saying he's terrible or anything. He's just he just doesn't have the it factor. He's just another guy, another starter. He can come in maybe mid season if you got an injury. You can sign him. Maybe you can win a couple football games. Yep. And speaking of Alabama guys that get to play in that national championship game, number nine on this list is Philadelphia Eagles' Jalen Hurst. Um, okay. All right. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with them there, mainly because the inconsistency of Jalen Hurts. Too much inconsistency. Um, last year, there were some moments where Jalen Hurts looked really good, and he could be the next big thing. And there were other moments where he came back down to reality and were like, oh, this Jalen Hurts guy really just isn't that very good. Um, the big problem I have with Jalen Hurts is a big problem we have with a lot of quarterback prospects coming out of the draft, especially when it comes to these athletic mobile guys, is they don't know when to run. Uh, we see it a lot of Kyler still to this day, and that's why I'm not a big Cardinals believer. Not, main, not because of Kyler, but because of this main trait when it comes to Kyler. As soon as the ball is snapped sometimes, sometimes he doesn't even make a read. And it doesn't even seem like a design run. He'll just run. Just kind of, sometimes it just seems like just because he feels like it. Yeah, and we'll get to Kyler here earlier. He's obviously been drafted since 2019, and he is on this list. But I agree with Jalen, yeah. Um, you never know which Jalen you're going to get. Runs a little too much. Um, as far as his arm talent goes, he kind of reminds me of like a Kellen Moore. Like he slung it in college because he had receivers are better than Kellen everybody Moore else. Kellen Moore had a really, really slow wind-up, though. Yeah, he did. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, his production, you know, he I can sling it when his, when his receivers are better than everybody else. But NFL quarterback starter, yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah. But uh, we've got time winding down the show, so we got to get to our last guy that Coward has his real issues, and that's Zach Wilson. Obviously, we haven't seen much of him. He's not just a bad football team, but uh, I'm honestly, I, th- I think Wilson can make it in this league. I don't know if I'd put him under real issues, but – yeah, I think the issues with Zach Wilson are beyond him. I will admit, though, this was a guy I wasn't coming high 
I wasn't really high on coming out of the draft. Every year in the first round when it comes to quarterbacks, it seems to be like we have a few guys, a few prospects that are kind of first-round talents or great as first-round talents, more so based on potential instead of production at the college level. Another guy that springs to mind is Jordan Love. Jordan Love had terrible numbers at Utah State, mainly because of the ability there and the traits that he has there and the athletic ability. He made it in the first round, and I kind of thought the same deal as Zach Wilson, but I will say this. From what I've seen from Zach Wilson, the issues are beyond him, especially in that offense. I don't necessarily trust the coaching staff. I'm not sure if that Robert, that Bob Sala dude was the right hire. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's beyond him. Offensive line, obviously terrible, probably one of the worst statistically, probably 32nd. And uh, what may, really kind of surprised me about Zach Wilson especially week one against the Panthers, is that he had a really bad first half. Second half, he really started to settle in despite the issues and put together a solid ball game and give the chance to, uh, the Jets a chance to win or made them at least fool themselves or at least made them think that they had a chance to win. And I, I can get behind that. I can see the talent there. I can see the ability there. Maybe he needs to be up here a little bit higher. Yeah, I think he is, and I'll, we'll bring up a guy that I think that I would put him up over here in a second but we're not quite to that guy yet we're at uh mac jones um he's number seven another alabama guy quarterback of the new england patriots he's two and three but he does have a 71 percent completion percentage of course new england they've played some tough defenses early yeah i mean he, they could have easily won that tampa bay game mac jones is a guy much like tom brady where early on in tom brady's career yes he's a winner and tom brady's a different type of animal but mac jones has the kind of the iq there he Mac Jones is just as good with his mental ability than he is his physical ability. His mental ability is what helps him become a great quarterback and sets up plays and really sets up that offense. I like his IQ. I like his leadership, talent, and skills. Um, I think he's a Belichick guy. If you were to pick a Belichick type of quarterback, he's the guy, and they could just as easily be like four and one right now, three and one right, three or two right now. I mean, this could easily be a winning football squad. And I think under Mac Jones, I anticipate this team maybe could even be a wild card team. I, I like Mac Jones. Mac Jones, he's uh, he's got a solid arm. The IQ's there. The leadership is there. The poise is there. He's calm, cool, and collected in the pocket. He just looks like a quarterback. He looks like the guy under Bill Belichick. I think he is. And if anybody can turn somebody into a winner, it's definitely Bill Belichick. So that brings us to our next guy. This is a guy I would have lower, probably behind Daniel Jones or behind Zach Wilson, and that's Daniel Jones in the New York Giants. This is a guy that I was high on coming out of college because David Cutcliffe does not baby his quarterbacks. Yeah. He actually lets them – he calls two plays in the huddle and lets them make the pre-snap reads. And pre-snap reads and knowledge of the game is something Daniel Jones has, but other than that, it's been bad. In 22 games, he has 23 interceptions, and his fumble stats are not on this list, but it's, it's yeah. darn near close to that One number. One of the worst, probably. And I think the big thing of Daniel Jones and why he's so high on this list is I think Calher is getting kind of fooled by the season he's having this year. If you look at the stat sheet, Daniel Jones is quietly having, I don't want to say maybe not necessarily in the MVP conversation, but he's having maybe like a Pro Bowl type caliber of year on the stat sheet. And that might fool a lot of people if you watch him. He's still kind of the same old Daniel Jones, nothing special about him. I don't think he's a guy that – um quite frankly can win games a guy that I just I don't think you can win games with that guy quite frankly I just don't think he has it I think he was another one of those guys for whatever reason he was a first round talent based on kind of ability and potential not ability but more so potential yeah I agree and uh, that moves us on to our next guy Justin Fields 
Uh, he's actually, I think I'd put Mac over Justin Fields. I, I agree. think he's correctly in the should work category. Uh, the only problem is we've only seen him play three games, so yeah. he's two and one. The only pro- he does have a fifty-one percent completion percentage, which is tough. But I mean, he's playing on a kind of a bad Bears team. So yeah, not only that, one of the worst offensive lines in this league. The only offensive line that's probably worse is the Jets. Maybe the Bears might even be worse than the Jets' offensive line. There's no telling. But I'll say this about Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the type of guy that he knows when to take off. He knows when his read isn't there. He knows when is the correct and proper time to run. He's very mature and plays like a veteran in that aspect. He's not a guy that's going to get hurt based on uh, on his own doing, if that makes sense. He's not going to go out of his way to be mobile and run if he doesn't have to or make a player play a hero ball. He's a very smart quarterback. If they can get an offensive line for him, and maybe get another weapon outside of Allen Robertson and Cole Komet, uh, maybe we can have something here. Maybe we're talking about maybe that Pat Mahomes-level type quarterback, but obviously that's a stretch that's it's, it's, it's too early to tell so far. It's only been three games, but let me tell you something right now. The problem with the Chicago Bears offense is not Justin Fields. It's that offensive line, and I think everybody can agree with that. And if not, you're delusional. And the defense can't keep them on the field. So, And now we go to the final four guys that are in the will work. So these are guys that Colin Cowherd thinks no doubt will work. And number four is the number one overall pick out of Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. You know, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that seems to divide a lot of people. Um I think the stat sheet can be a little bit misleading when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, based on what I've seen so far, and I've seen all his games so far, it seems like he's just trying to be very aggressive and just trying to get a feel for the game and finding a way to win. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I think people want to win for. They can rally around. They know he's a real deal. Um, if you're a guy that thinks he's going to be a bust or he doesn't have it, you're a complete moron. You haven't watched any of the games. He has the ability. He has the talent. He just has the complete idiot for a head coach. He has no talent around him whatsoever. Offensive line, receivers, there's nothing there. Yeah, the only thing that really concerns me so far with him is the eight interceptions through five games. But yeah. I do think he gets that worked out. Uh, I'm high on Trevor as well. Um, I think can – I, can I say one quick note about that? Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from he's usually playing from behind in a lot of games, and he's just trying to make a big play and find a way to win. Yeah, he has had a few early, and they have blown some leads yeah. uh, against the Cardinals and against the Bengals. Bengals, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of those two teams, I'm just going to go ahead and name off the next three guys, 3-2-1, three, and we're just going to kind of, you know, I think these guys, we don't need to analyze their game as much because we've seen them for a year plus, each of these guys. It's more now just um, whether we think this list is accurate. So in number three, he's got Joe Burrow. This is the guy we've seen the least of due to his injury last year. Number two, Kyler Murray. And uh, number one is Justin Herbert. Um, I would disagree on one thing. Murray lower than Burrow. I think Herbert's a clear-cut number one. One underrated ability about Herbert that nobody is talking about is when you watch his games, especially go back and watch that Raiders game. Raiders game was constantly, in that Raiders game, the Raiders defense was constantly getting pressure on Herbert. And one underrated ability about Justin Herbert is he can anticipate pressure, he can feel pressure, and he can get the ball out quickly. He has a quick release. He's got the it factor. He's got the intangibles. He's got the tangibles. He's accurate. He has a big arm. That's the guy that's going to be winning Super Bowls. We're going to be talking about maybe he's the next big thing a couple years from now. So you agree with Colin that he's won number one out of these three? He's the clear-cut number one. So would you put Burrow over Kyler, though? Burrow over Kyler, and here's why. I think even in that rookie year, 
Uh, a lot of people have a lot of concerns about Burrow's deep ball. I think he's kind of dispelled a little bit of those rumors a little bit this year or those uh, concerns this year. My thing about Burrow is he's going to find a way to win, especially even against good football teams with a bad Bengals team. It doesn't matter what talent you put around him. He's going to show up and he's going to perform and he's going to find a way to win and get that and get the best out of his offense with the little he's been given. We've seen it even in his rookie year. The few games he did play, he was in some close shootout games with a notoriously terrible Bengals offense, and we're kind of seeing that this year. Still doesn't have the offensive line. We're talking Deontay Smith, EC alums, probably going to be starting at left tackle or right. And um, it's just it's the Bengals are somehow sitting at what three and two, four and one right now. Top of the division, something like that. And uh, we didn't necessarily expect it, but it doesn't surprise me, and we're seeing it this year. Shootouts, or he's winning close guy games and finding a way to win against good football teams. Yeah, I'm with you. I would I would go Herbert 1, Burrow from what I've seen currently 2, and Kyler 3. And most of that's just because Kyler, you know, like you mentioned earlier, decides to run maybe a little too soon. And Burrow, yeah, like you said, they're worried about his deep ball accuracy, but they said the same thing about Peyton, and that didn't really seem to matter. Yeah. So, and, we know what all happened when the uh, career Peyton Manning. So I think Herbert's the guy. Um, I'm going to put him. I think when we look back on this generation of quarterbacks, it's going to be probably Patty and um, Josh Allen as a 1 2. One, I don't know who's going to be 1A, 1B there. And then Herbert next. But uh, if Kyler can quit that running, I think he's definitely got more ability and God given talent than Joe Burrow. But. Um, yeah. I think Burrow's going to be the better quarterback when it's all said and done. But I, I think only so, time yeah. will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. Other, other than that, I think Colin Cowherd, as controversial as this list was on Twitter a couple days ago, I think he kind of nailed it on the head. My, the only exception, the only glaring exception that looks absolutely terrible is Daniel Jones. Yeah, Danny Dimes at six. Uh, I drop him a little bit, especially with those turnovers. But, hey, Favre turned the ball over a lot too, and he is a world champion. So And a Hall of Famer. Yep. Well, we will be back here with the uh, final segment in just a few minutes. I'm here in the studio with Lance Clark of Bill Clark Homes, one of the largest home builders in eastern Carolina. And much of the concentration has been right here in their hometown of Greenville and Pitt County. Lance, you guys have been doing this a long time. Yes, we have, Henry, and I appreciate it. Uh, last year, we celebrated our 40th anniversary which we're extremely proud of, and we are and have always been family-owned and operated. Lance, tell us why a homeowner would choose Bill Clark Homes to build their home. Well, one thing that we do that we're really proud of is we like to make the customer part of the process. We have our own design department where we draw our own plans so you can modify and make the house the way you would like it. And another thing is we have a one-stop shop design center with two professional decorators to guide you through that process. So Lance, what's the price range that you focus on at Bill Clark Homes? Right now, our houses are from 160 all the way up to 500,000, and we have those houses in most school districts all around Greenville and Pitt County. For more information, contact BillClarkHomes.com. Another season of Rose Rampants football is back on your home for Greenville Sports and the ECU Pirates. Let's go! Three, one, two, three. 94.3 The Game. J.H. Rose football is brought to you by the law firm of Hardy, Massey, and Blanche, Sam Pollard and Son, Heating and Air, First Bank, Caraway Office Solutions, Stadium Sports, and Doctors Bowman, Padgett, and Associates Dentistry. The Rampants play here on the home for Rose Rampants football. 94.3 The Game. 
Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Baby Byron here to wrap it up here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Joined as always by Philip the Ref Hilkington. It's been a pleasure to have y'all listening to the show today. We'll be back at it tomorrow with some Rose coverage, maybe some a Panthers preview. And be sure to check out On the Prowl every Thursday today on our Facebook page at 943 the game. Any closing thoughts, Philip? Anything we maybe didn't cover or that we need to nail on the head here or get out of the way? Nope, sounds like we got to everything. Uh, also a little tomorrow, a little AL and NLCS preview. Didn't want to get too much into that today as there still is a game five of the NLDS. Um, Hurricanes open the season tonight against the Islanders. NFL football, a game in the American. Lots to watch, lots to keep up with. I'm excited. It's going to be a big night and uh, we can't be... A- Cannot wait to be back here tomorrow. Well, I got something to say, Philip. Navy beating Memphis. That's a B-baby lock right there. Lock it in. He's going the money line, and that's probably pretty good plus money considering they're 11 points. There Dogs. You there you go. That's going to do it here for us on the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barb here reminding you to stay safe, have a good one, and check us out tomorrow at 5. Another season of Rose Rampants football is back on your home for Greenville Sports and the ECU Pirates. Let's go! Win on three, one, two, three. 94.3 The Game. J.H. Rose Football is brought to you by the law firm of Hardy, Massey, and Blanche, Sam Pollard and Son, Heating and Air, First Bank, Caraway Office Solutions, Stadium Sports, and Doctors Bowman, Padgett, and Associates Dentistry. The Rampants play here on the home for Rose Rampants football. The Game. WRHDHD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Crystal Clear, FM Sports Talk, 24-7, 365. Unless we forget to pay the power bill. 94.3 The Game.